0: This is the spec sheet. special edition of the spec sheet with curtis thornton on this broadcast each listener will receive a complimentary pre-owned 10 gigabyte ibm ide hard drive no need to call about the drive we have your information to speak with curtis call now at 573-837-4948 that's 573-837-4948 and now here's the spec sheet
1: breath i uh like literally when he he said four or five people sitting comfortably at that precise moment i realized i had to run all the way across the office and retrieve all of my printouts
2: you had to make sure they're all lined
1: up and collated and because i'm fattened out of shape and generally useless i'm slightly uh breathy as a result of that i think Uh,
2: that makes the show better it brings it down to an
1: area I can understand. Ah, Remember the days where we didn't care about the production quality of this show? Remember the <laughs> days when nobody listened, and so we just didn't have to care? It was so convenient and fun. And now we've got actual listeners, and I'm just not—I don't want to do the show anymore. I just can't take it.
2: <laughs> well, you know, I only have one quality level, and I can't, I can't up my game or bring it down any farther. I am where I am.
1: You know, I think that is sort of how we approach the show. We have a mode— and mm-hmm. that is the one mode that we have. And I can't really see us uh, deviating from that very much <laughs> in terms of the quality. <laughs> you know? Right.
2: But, well, I mean, This we is can pretty much a... what
1: you're going to get.
2: Yeah. You either like it or, you know, uh, tune in to uh, the next uh, technology
1: podcast that won't be nearly as good. Did you have any luck with the phone dog guy? We were, we were talking about, oh. I'll tell the audience, I don't see any reason <laughs> not to mention this. We were talking about actually getting Hoagland on the show and i I hope I'm not breaching anything because we hadn't discussed whether this could be could be mentioned publicly or not, no, but we, we were smart. talking about getting Hoagland on the show, but I decided it probably wasn't a good idea because I didn't want to give people the impression that because we're being carried on ArtBell.com dot com now that we're trying to do the art Bell show because we're not it's a t- it's a show about technology and uh so may- maybe he would be better on jim Harold's podcast I, I I don't know, but
2: that's cool well, you know I- I, I'm cool with that because I think it makes sense. Of course, I'm excited to talk to anybody I can because I'm I'm just the the lowly guy here. But you're probably right.
1: That's true. Know your That's place. A, know my place. Know your place, house boy. Fetch a lemonade. Know my there. place again. Fetch a lemonade for the governor. Uh, lemonade, uh, please. So anyway, I, this I, is I, this is a show about technology where we talk tech, uh, largely discussing. <clears throat> pardon me. The the tech news of the day of the week. And, uh, these days it seems largely to focus on phones and that's to be expected. That's where all the exciting things are happening. I mean, how often really like I see a lot of, I I have a lot of customers who come to my office and, uh, particularly anyone who walks through the door with an XP machine right away, I'm, I'm pushing you to go buy a new machine and, uh,
2: you, you want them to stop using the best operating system Microsoft ever created?
1: Well, only because Microsoft wants them to stop because right. uh, they're going to stop sending down Windows updates for Windows XP in April of 2014.
2: So, yeah, but how many times have they pushed back these so, dates?
1: XP reaches obsolescence, and uh, well, you think they're going to push it back? No, I'm I don't they have
2: many times. Huh? For, for different operating systems over the years, that I'm,
1: that's their. You know, I I understand that operating systems become obsolete. I get that. Uh, No mystery there. But, for instance, a lot of those Windows updates are going to be updates that affect uh, holes that are discovered, vulnerabilities that are discovered, that affect every version of Windows from 8 all the way back to anything that's NT-based. So why can Windows XP or even Windows 2000 for that matter. Why can those versions of Windows not just continue to receive those updates? They're being pushed anyway, and in many cases, those updates would install in just the same way on either version of Windows, would they not? It's just a false limitation that they can't.
2: It's all about when they branch off different pieces of code, whether it's how .NET uh, applications connect with the operating system, that Mm -hmm. that layer right between the uh, GUI and and how it... uh, connects with hardware and, and communicates with it, they, they stop branching out in different operating systems. And that's the only problem. I mean, yeah, they really could put just minimal amount of resources into keeping those going. And again, I love Windows XP, Service Pack 2, the best operating system they ever uh, created. But it's just not worth it. It's a way to force people into you know planned obsolescence of their, their equipment. And I don't blame Microsoft for the idea they had with Vista to try to push people to more powerful PCs that were more modern. Uh, it's just their operating system at that time failed, just like Windows 8 did. Uh, that's the pattern Microsoft has always followed of failure, push people to do something, and then bring, bring back something successful after that.
1: You know, Vista was nice in that it did bring about user account control, uh, something XP never had. And, uh, you know, you can remember... Most people, when running an XP machine in their home, they would always just all use the same user account. Even right. though XP had user account capabilities and user switching, uh, most people just did not implement that because it was so poorly done. Uh, it, yeah, was, well, it was it just so poorly supported in XP. A lot of applications didn't properly take advantage of uh, the way XP managed accounts and so Vista really was the first version of Windows where everyone saw, yes, okay, I can clearly see the definition between accounts now and why there's an advantage to doing that. I think someone's knocking on my door. I have no idea what's going on here. Hold <laughs> well, on. Let me go take a look now. Clearly, I'm not doing a radio show. Hold on. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh,
2: the thing that I wonder about is if people actually are using the, uh, <laughs> it's Steve Ballmer in the chat room, uh, Jasmine just says Steve Ballmer is knocking on the door for, a. Uh, for for Michael, Steve Ballmer, but uh, I think I mistook him dudes.
1: for Mister Clean.
2: <laughs> is it Ballmer? Is he there?
1: No, I don't know who it is. He, he's uh, looking for a gig. Now I always he's, get a little antsy after hours here when people start knocking on my door. I don't know why, yeah. particularly because I know they're hearing me do this radio show. Half the time we're doing the radio show, as we've mentioned previously. If you were walking in the halls here, uh. And you heard me doing this show with all the screaming and ranting I sometimes do, accents, uh, whatever else it is <laughs> yeah. I'm doing. If you're just walking down the hall and you don't hear the other half of the conversation and you just hear me doing that, you're gonna think I'm nuts. So I, I
2: think from this point, you should do the the podcast in stereo to where people can take the channel you're on and just listen to it. so so all of our listeners can have the experience of your uh, uh, other people <laughs> in your complex.
1: so it just bothers me that anybody would knock on my door because, Clearly, they think I'm crazy. And what kind of madman would you have to be to knock on the door of a crazy man? That's my logic. That's why.
2: Yeah. You need uh, an on-air <laughs> sign that you can put over your door and just you know flip the switch. And that way, everybody knows big man on campus is on the radio.
1: That would be so confusing. You, you come to a computer repair shop. Uh, with an on-air light (laughs) outside, that makes no sense. There's no uh, connection to be drawn between the two. By the way, did (laughs) you... If only I had that. Did you... uh, Was there a subject we didn't finish addressing just now? Am I about to move us on to some sort of a crazy tangent that's going to...
2: The the only thing I was going to say is I doubt that most uh, users of of Windows 8 or Windows 7 even realize they can switch users and take advantage of it. I think that's more of a, a business tool. I think hmm. the average user doesn't know or care.
1: Maybe that's true. Maybe my, my perceptions are wrong and people are just still using the one big fat account that everybody Yeah, I mean, I into. always try to train
2: people that when I'm setting up a PC or, or coming into someone's house that uh, has a lot of spyware on their system. When you clean it up and you tell, uh, to tell like, let's say parents and their kids, uh, the parent should have an account that has access to install programs, but not necessarily administrator access. And the, the child should have the lowest amount of access that they possibly could. I try to teach them that, and then two weeks later, I get the call saying they have spyware again, so yeah, it
1: that's great it never no. never clicks no, it does not. That's one thing I've learned by experience. If you could just make people understand look if you'll use user accounts on this computer people are going to be less likely to know what kind of pornography you've been looking at. If you can just impart that upon people, I think that's the motivator, that's the proper motivator that's been lacking all this time. I'm sitting here talking about all of the technical advantages of it to people. Well, and yeah, you can have your own Chrome settings and it won't affect you, know. but no, we really need to go down the porn road so I can make people understand why they should use multiple accounts in Windows, all of which should be standard accounts, by the way, and then you can have one administrator account that exists only for the purpose of typing in the admin password. When you want to do something administrative, that's That's the way I set it up. Uh, Is there a better way
2: that that way you're protected? If you make the mistake of installing a program from, from the web that has uh, spyware or that add on uh, software that, that the company gets paid for every time you click and install it, then it tracks everything. I, I consider that spyware also. If you have an admin account that's separate from your standard account, then you're going to pay better attention, hopefully, every time you install a program.
1: Uh, by the way, I forgot to plug the phone number. Uh, if yep. This is the wonderful, amazing hosts uh, we are. Uh, we, I think we're we, a 1,000 right now. We do not even require the input of phone callers for this show to be good. See, most ca- podcasts differ in that regard, but not this one. We're so confident in our abilities that I haven't even bothered to tell you how to call in. So let's do that. Uh, The number is 573-837-4948. It's 573-837-4948. You can visit ufoship.com. That's our website where you can chat with us in real time. You can download the show after it airs as just a regular download or as a podcast uh, in subscription form. And you know something? I have gone out of my way to make that website as user-friendly as possible, as brainless as possible. Every every show has an embedded player you can just click play on, and there it is, boom. Or there's a link that says click here to download the show. How much more plain can it get? Go look at any random podcast site out there. They're, they are unnavigable. Is that a word? I think it is. It is now. They're, Let they're, me
2: go to Urban Dictionary really quick and put that in. Hold uh, on.
1: I will instead say you cannot; na- they cannot be navigated.
2: <laughs> Here's my question. When I go to the site, does it play the episode I want to listen to for me ahead of time?
1: Well, it does based on the tension in your fingers as you press the keys on the keyboard. And it's Perfect. really a, a technology uh, we've been happy to bring to the fore. Hi. Uh, hi, you're on the air. Hi there. Hi. Uh,
3: it's not kind of a modern issue, but it's uh, still a technological issue I want to talk about. Sure. Okay, uh, I was wondering what you guys thought about like uh, obviously the the government you know you need money the government's uh, the place that has the most of it they can print it. Well, uh, the cutbacks on NASA. I mean, uh, a lot of technology came from it, and you know power tools, memory foam, uh, dehydrated food, those little space blanket things. I mean, all kinds of things. Actually, right, it was a uh, 1,650 uh, technological advancements have been traced back to uh, NASA. Hmm. And uh, I think there's also something to say about, you know, society's not expanding and exploring new things. They're kind of stagnant. And um, the, uh, the way the new space programs have gone, it kind of seems like they're going towards more of a privatization. You know, it's kind of like, you know, they're specializing on one thing. And, uh, you know, our Bell's friend, uh, Bob Bigelow or whatever, spends a lot of money on stuff like that. But I don't think, you know, he's ever going to be able to develop, you know, the stuff that NASA came up with.
1: I agree. I've, I, I used to have a little bit of hope in, in private space expo- exploration. Uh, I don't know why I had hope in it. Maybe it was just sort of a knee-jerk hope because it was the new thing to come along and we all were just pre-programmed to believe that private space exploration is where the future is and it's the way things are going to really get done. But I, just, I, I have to say I really don't see that because private space exploration, I mean, space travel is a very inefficient, very wasteful thing. Uh, just traveling i think to the moon requires approximately ten thousand dollars to be spent per pound lifted off of this planet and that's an old number it's probably even higher now with inflation and fuel costs factored in
2: yeah uh, well the one thing i was thinking is with that list of inventions that have happened when did that cut off when was the date that uh the last invention or the last cluster of inventions were created. I'm sure every year something new comes out of NASA. You know, you sound
1: like the guy that people have to come in and talk to to justify why they should keep their job. You're one of the Bobs. (laughs) Bob? I don't like you. (laughs) What do you do with the company? Just what do you do here?
2: What's your function?
1: (laughs) (laughs) The pleasure's all on this side of the table. Yes, all right here. Amazing. Good work, man. Uh, that's a good question. I mean, when was the last innovation? I've never really heard that. That's actually a good question.
2: I I love NASA. Don't get me wrong on that side of it. Uh, I just, in what you mentioned, you said about the private uh, industry taking it over. I was excited also until I saw the same people who are building electric cars that catch on fire are the same type of people who are, are investing all their money into, uh, to space travel. I don't see where we are going to win out. Uh, this shows and get you the, the, in the chat room. There, they're they're loving.
1: Are they distracting you?
2: <laughs> yeah, they're saying NASA conspiracy.
1: You're like, so anyway, the. Yeah, that's the too good. Sp- I'm just gonna go to the chat room now. <laughs> and, uh, the whole and the, <laughs> <laughs> I was listening to the news the other day, and they were profiling some company that takes people up in these balloons. It's a, it's akin mm. to the type of balloon that that dude jumped out of, the monster drink dude, or whatever. What was the? Yeah. it was like Rockstar uh, Energy. Someone sponsored Red this Bull. jump. Red Bull. Thank you. Mm. The whatever variety of battery acid it is, you animals <laughs> are drinking <laughs> I out never there. Never understood that so stuff. I just, tried
2: to drink it once, and I, I don't I, know.
1: I like I like the taste of. <laughs> Festering, putrefied <laughs> urine in my mouth. That's why I and to drink mix it with alcohol. That's why I drink a Red Bull any chance I get. I recommend it highly. Sponsored yeah. by what? A, so anyway, they had this monster this, energy. This, this yeah, mon, uh, monster energy drink a Red Bull jump. Uh, the guy jumps out and he falls from I think it was uh, over a hundred thousand feet. Uh, yeah, I mean
2: he was. Yeah, it, it's considered a, officially near, nearly in space. Yeah. I guess the upper atmosphere.
1: But anyway, I saw this news profile of this company and what they do is they put you in a balloon similar to what I just described and they take you up and I don't even think you ever hit zero G Uh, you couldn't hit zero G you're in a balloon. So the balloons only going to go as high as the atmosphere goes and they're charging Mm. uh, over $200,000 per passenger. Why are they charging that? There's not even a fossil fuel being burned. So how are we going to run commercial enterprises in space exploration where fossil fuel actually has to be burned when they can't see fit to even bring people up in a balloon? They're not even getting out of the Earth's gravitational pull, and that's going to set you back 200 large. Really? But if I had the
2: money, I would do that in a heartbeat, though. Even though it doesn't get me to space, I mean, I still would love to. I would be so
1: scared shitless. Oh, I would, too, but it'd be awesome. I'm not supposed to say that word. Hi, you're on the air.
4: Oh, yeah, I was going to mention with the, uh, the Microsoft upgrades, yes. the new hard drives, once you get larger-sized hard drives, you can't use Windows XP
1: anymore. I think three gigabytes uh, is the limit, isn't it?
4: Um, I think it's actually
2: less than that. It might be two or a little bit less. Yeah, you're right. It is so, less
1: than that because just recently I tried a three. Oh, you're talking
2: about the partitioning? Well, yeah, XP okay.
1: just can't see we all the space.
2: Right. Yeah, so basically, if you
1: get anything bigger than it might even be like one point five gigabytes, it's just wasted space. Hmm. Yeah, that's right. So, and I think there it's still the best
2: operating system ever, even if it it can't see.
1: I, I really, I mean, I know it wasn't a commercially viable. Thank you for the call, by the way. We appreciate that. I, I wonder. I know it wasn't commercially viable to do so, but it would have just been nice to see them incrementally build on to Windows XP over the years. I always thought that it would be nice, and they could make you pay certain steps well i guess that's really what they do don't they It does. yeah that's oh, yeah. already yeah, they, they, what they're they have doing a, never mind they, they have an email you know on. what i don't know why i host a technology podcast i have no business <laughs> doing this if you don't mind if you can move
2: on for our our, our next host It's a revolving door now
1: uh his name is Falky. you're gonna love him he's great this is gonna be great uh hi you're on the air hey there how's it going guys we're great, great. thank you for calling good how team. are you you sound happy i'm always happy well you sound it good what can we do for you, sir?
4: Oh, I just wanted to weigh in on the the whole XP thing. Um, sure. Being that uh, this is him, by the way.
1: Oh, hey, what's up, brother?
4: Uh,
1: the you, you, you thing- sound you sound like you're getting ready to bob a buoy the show or something, but you're just not <laughs> sure if you want to do it or not. <laughs> what's wrong with you? <laughs> the- I'm just messing with you. Go ahead. Sorry.
4: The- the biggest thing that I'm seeing in the XP world right this moment is its lack of technology built on the uh, SSL side for all of our uh, SSL certificates and everything like that that are going out, especially Google
2: specifically. Most of but you're Google talking about browsers, though. Really, uh, when it comes to the the desktop OS, do you correct, mean correct?
4: Except for because of uh, the limitations of Internet Explorer. Mm -hmm. Paired with the specific OS, and IE8 specifically has the ability, if it's in Windows 7, but doesn't have the ability to decode uh, SNI, which is the sending name uh, infrastructure that SSL needs so that you can run multiple SSL certificates under a single IP address because of the lack of IP addresses that are in the world these days. And IP version 6 is, I'm sorry, just a slow adoption process.
2: It's like HDTV was in in North America. It's going to take forever for it. It's there. It could be used, but people just aren't
1: recognizing it. So, so Gatun, let me make sure I understand you. You're saying what version of Windows does not, you're saying XP does not handle the, I don't understand the relationship between the OS and the browser as far as SSL handling goes, I guess. That's my problem.
4: Well, the there are a couple of browsers on an XP environment that will work. Chrome being one. Firefox is a questionable, uh, depending on the version you have. Some of the newer ones don't really li- don't work with XP. So really,
2: well, th- th- so yeah. the question is: Is that an operating system? Is that baked into it? That's the problem, or is it a decision on the developers of the browser to not implement SNI?
4: Well, it's a limitation of the browser because it was relying on pieces of the OS. Okay. So, like, in Internet Explorer world, it relies on so many pieces of the OS to function. What, what
2: about in Europe? Because in Europe, you have to strip IE out of the operating system. Didn't they do that week?
1: Well, you have to give yeah, people they, the option screen. Right. But you yeah. also
2: have to take out any of the hooks into the operating system that it had. It had to come out, too.
1: That's a yeah, good thing. Microsoft should it, have done that without having to be forced to, right? And, and actually,
4: the, the, the same thing was included uh. in a uh, uh, media player had to be done the same way as well. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, that was a, uh, you know, I've mentioned this on the show before, but some of you are aware of columnist John C. Dvorak, and he wrote a column years ago where he summarized that all of the problems Microsoft faced over the course of the last 15 to 20 years, almost all of them, could have been alleviated, entirely eliminated, had they just stopped ramming Internet Explorer down people's faces. That's it. The security issues, uh, the antitrust issues, um, technical issues. I mean, go find a web developer uh, who appreciates building websites knowing that Internet Explorer exists in this world. Most of them do not appreciate it. Add me to that list. Right. So there was a laundry list of problems that the existence of Internet Explorer caused for Microsoft had they just not continued stubbornly ramming this down people's throats, particularly when there were superior third-party alternatives out there all along the way. Almost every step of the way, there were superior alternatives to Internet Explorer.
2: The amazing thing is all the way up to uh, Windows XP... Microsoft had been well-known for if they didn't do a good job of building something, they bought the company that did it better, and then they integrated that that into their systems. Why were they so hung up on the browser that they had to keep producing, i.e., when there were clearly superior products out there?
1: That's a rhetorical question, but I would like Mm -hmm. an actual answer to that question. Why were they so hung up on this browser thing? I mean a browser? Yeah.
2: I mean Well, cuz I mean if you think about it, it is it, to look at it from their point of view back in the day, they probably thought if they can dominate that like they did with Office and Microsoft Word and Excel, I- if they could do that same thing to the browser, they'd own the internet and look how much money Google makes off advertising. They thought they were going to get that, but they didn't. They they failed completely. What if they had bought uh, I mean not necessarily Google, but a company like Google that was building early browsers? You got a group of guys who were building something in their garage. Maybe Microsoft did do that, and it never saw the light of, like many of their projects end up doing, but it wouldn't have been that hard for them to to separate out the browser and not have a part of it. so tied into the operating system. And like you said, it that would have saved them a, a decade of Heartache, and maybe Steve Ballmer would be leaving on a much higher note when he finally is retiring.
1: Just the security issues alone. Think how many times yeah. malware has wound up on machines as a result of the relationship between Internet Explorer and Windows and how how tattered Microsoft's security uh, reputation is as a result of that decade of chaos, all of which was the result of Internet Explorer being bundled into the operating system. And they just used third-party uh browsers that were self-sufficient were superior were faster were more secure were updated more quickly the windows mm-hmm. would have as a product would have benefited from that no one <laughs> no one was ever saying to themselves if if internet explorer went away as a part of windows i don't think i'd be as likely to use windows no one was ever saying that
2: right so, so it was like the the biggest users of internet explorer that that would promote it were probably corporate environments where they could say they can control the the browser through uh, active directory and group policies, but there is no reason why they couldn't have opened an API to allow any browser to work with that so, to be that tightly integrated in the operating system because that, that is the the benefit of i e uh, Bateman in the chat room says that Internet Explorer is the yugo of browsers, and I agree one hundred percent
1: uh it's a you uh, circling around the playground in Pripyat. <laughs> Pripyat is the actual town where Chernobyl happened. Uh, is it? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> is that where that
2: movie where they they filmed where the uh, ghosts or whatever were?
1: killing people uh, what was it remember? called because my wife and i saw a movie where that was the premise i want to know if this was it <laughs> yeah, yeah i can't think of the name
2: <laughs> of the movie i just saw the trailer but that's the first for some reason you mentioned chernobyl and that's the first thing i think of is that that movie where people are running from
1: is this the one where the is guy in, is like <laughs> hey you pay me 20 dollars i take you into pripyat we show you around we leave before night it gets very dangerous here is that yeah, it's one? one of those uh uh found footage films uh, no. Well, is that it? I think it was. Whatever. Okay. Uh, yes. Yeah. Okay. Th- those
2: things are, yeah. Wait, they're as overplayed as reality TV.
1: Oh, my God, I'm shot! That's generally <laughs> uh, the dialogue every five minutes. Those were the words you heard. <laughs> yeah, uh, and a lot of
2: heavy breathing in a dark room.
1: You know, I, uh, I was going to say something, and I forgot what it was. I guess we'll just move on. Touchless Chrome is here. So now when you're using Google Chrome... You can speak your search as opposed mm-hmm. to typing it, and I think this is sort of like um, what what analogy can I think of? Just some sort of a technology that gets dumped in people's laps because <laughs> this is what's supposed to be the big thing: talking to technology yeah. and having it do things for you. I'm sorry, but instinctively, I don't think this is what people want. I don't. Yeah, think it's a people- technology looking for a problem to solve. <laughs> It really is. I don't think people want to speak to their technology. I can be walking no. around in the store. Uh, <laughs> I can be walking around at Walmart, let's say, and I'm talking. Uh, I'm like doing voice to text uh, and I'm communicating with my wife and I'll be like, okay, well, they've got the black beans, comma, but yeah. I don't see the Pinto, Period. It seems to me, and, and as I'm doing this, all of the meth heads that are walking by me, staring at me, I feel so uncomfortable. I feel highly douche-tastic, to be well, quite frank it, with you. It, it, it's not something I want to do, just speaking to technology. You look, There's no way to speak to technology and have it do things for you where you don't look like an idiot in the process. Well, my
2: question is, or what I've noticed, I guess, not question, it, it seems like Android users are more willing to talk to their phone they are. than... Apple users are, and I mean, Apple has Siri, but it's, maybe that's why uh, Google's willing to, to go out on this limb for the browser. I mean, you've always been able, or for a long time now, you've been able to, to speak to your browser. They're just trying to push it the next direction or the next step forward.
1: I think Android users are maybe a little more instinctively fascinated by the technology behind yeah. what's happening, whereas Apple users are more like, I can talk to my phone.
2: Yeah, Look. I can do what Samsung could do last year. Speaking of phones,
1: um, for those of you who've listened to this show for a few years, you know Curtis has always been an avid iPhone fanboy. And slowly the erosion began. I don't really know what uh, pushed him the over 4S. the precipice. Was it the 4S? The, what the about 4S it? began it.
2: What? It, it, it. I started to, to to flirt with the idea of other phones around the 4S.
1: mm. I was hoping you'd no, no, speak sorry, longer vibe, because right, I was right. swallowing coffee. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, so uh,
2: he just goes, from the yes. first iPhone to, to now, well, well to the, the 4S, I've loved what A- Apple has done. The 4S, I switched to that phone, but I didn't see any reason to. I From the 4 to the 4S, I, obviously I know all the, the, the specs that bumped up with that phone. And
1: That's what puzzles me. I'll, I don't mean to sidetrack you. We'll get back to ahead. what you're saying in a second. But I remember, wow, the iPhone 4 is fast. And then I remember, wow, the iPhone 4S is faster than the 4. Yeah,
4: they're and making then I fun remember the, S on
1: the 5 is fast and the 5S is fast. How fast does this phone need to be in order to run Instagram? Can, <laughs> right? Can someone explain that to me? I mean, is well, there a point at which uh, we just don't care anymore and you keep the same phone for 15 years? That day
2: doesn't exist anymore. And the thing is, we've all been programmed now to feel like we need new phones. Like I, I'm itching I right want. now because I've got a 5. I upgraded to the 5 back uh, however many months ago. And then I see the the 5S and then the 5C or 5Cheap, I like to call it. Uh, those phones come out, and they do not impress me at all. I, I don't see any reason to switch the I, I fully admit the 5S is considered the fastest smartphone out there. It's just blown other phones away and benchmarks. But that doesn't mean anything to me because I don't play games on my phone. I kind of consider myself post-app obsessed. So there's really no reason for me to get a phone that's going to run Instagram that much faster because I don't care. We were just I talking
1: about that, about the post-app world that we think we're living mm-hmm. in. Where were we talking about that? Was that a private we were conversation? Just ta- you and I were talking
2: when I... I was trying to decide, I was trying to push myself to the edge of getting the Windows phone that I've been thinking about. And I tweeted before the show that uh, I I want people to tell me what they think the best phone of 2013 is and help me decide what to get. Because I was ready to get the, the Nokia Lumia 1520, which is a Windows 8 phone. It's got a 20 megapixel camera, a huge screen, awesome battery life. It only has one problem. It's running Windows phone and I don't want to use Internet Explorer as my main browser. When I finally acknowledge the fact that I use my phone to browse and I don't want Internet Explorer to be my default browser and the only app that I see that's anywhere close to Chrome is a fake Chrome app somebody created to trick your friends into thinking you have Chrome on your phone when you don't really, I realized that, that was I was going down a dead end and I was going to slam my head into a brick wall. So the 1520 is off the table now, And Android is fully in. I'm ready to know, or I need to know, which Android phone am I going to switch to and say goodbye to uh, my uh, Apple days. I think
1: think the phone to get is the Nexus 5. I'm thinking that too. If you're you're an AT&T customer, Mm -hmm. that's the phone to get. It's a pure Android experience. I'm still two generations behind. I'm still using a Galaxy Nexus. So we've got the Galaxy Nexus and then the 4, then the 5, which currently is out. Which you can yeah, purchase. I was looking at the Re- Nexus
2: 4 today with KitKat on it, and that's still snappy. I mean that that phone is it, did a good. It job. It has to be.
1: I mean, when, yeah. it's not an old phone, and I would still be more than happy to own the four. Uh, hmm. And so the five, I'm sure, is just amazing. Uh, but I yeah. mean, it's just a pure Android experience. It's uh, it's going to get updates. Uh, before any other phones do, when when they release Android updates, it's going to be unfettered by the carrier because AT&T doesn't seem to stand in the way of that as Verizon does. I'm sitting here with a Galaxy Nexus. I hate Verizon so much Uh I swear to God, if I were a terrorist, I would drive to wherever they are and I would suicide bomb them. I hate them so much <laughs> because I'm sitting here with a Galaxy Nexus. The entire premise behind a Nexus device is that I am supposed to get Google updates before any other phone does. But guess, right. guess what happens? Uh, all of the other Galaxy Nexuses, or Nexi, <laughs> get, get their updates... And about four months later, mine comes slithering onto my phone from Verizon. They were so great. The king was so gracious as to drop some of his leavings for me. Uh, it was it was <laughs> a really so nice. I just hate Verizon so much. The Verizon has totally gotten between my phone and Google in the every reason conceivable you bought it. way. Yeah, that's the whole reason I bought this phone. I wanted to uh, eliminate mm-hmm. the carrier and the phone manufacturer as considerations to factor in, in this mo- model that's out. Yeah. So here we have the galaxy, uh, the, here we have the Nexus five and it appears as though this device does not run on Verizon's network because of the shenanery that we saw between Verizon and Google with the uh, previous Nexus iteration, which was this galaxy Nexus. In there's other words, rumors, though, that
2: they're going to come out with a Verizon.
1: Well, I just can't believe there's not. And you know, I, I begged and I pleaded, and my wife. I sound like such a eunuch. Uh, <laughs> no, I smacked my wife in the <laughs> face. I said, "See here, woman, I will buy the Nexus Five, and you'll shut your face and go cook that rice." And then uh, she said, "No, you won't." And I said, "Okay," uh, <laughs> yeah. but I I convinced her to let me buy this phone. I have the to mouse to look at it to buy it. I convinced her to let yeah. me buy it, and I'm sitting there with the mouse pointer hovering over the submit button. And then I come to the realization that this phone does not work on Verizon. I could not believe mm-hmm. it. And the, the, the reason I thought it did was because as I was reading the specs, it said it supports LTE, and I thought, yippee, okay, it works on Verizon. No, it doesn't. So if you've got that little idea bouncing around in your head that you're going to run a Nexus 5 on Verizon, forget about it. And yeah, there are rumors that Google and, and, and uh, Verizon are going to work something out, and they're going to get this device on the network. I don't know. I'm just... I am so tired as a Verizon customer of getting the devices I want way later than other people or not being able to get them at all. I'm just tired of it. And that's really silly to consider that they supposedly have the, the nation's best net, network. I believe they have more subscribers than AT&T. I'm, I'm, I'm almost positive they do. Yeah, I, I, mean, they I, are I think it. you're right. And in the United States, Verizon is it. And in their
2: map, on those commercials, their map is like a work of art.
1: <laughs> yeah, I've seen Abraham Lincoln's head in that map. Yeah. Uh, just the the red speckles. You can find so many different shapes. It's Waldo's a fun in there This is what I do with my daughter. I don't read to her. We just look at the Verizon map, and I'm like, hey, there's a there's a yellow lab. How about that? Yeah, that's funny, because
2: I, 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 I take with my son. We look through the specs of phones. We say, okay, this one has a Snapdragon. <laughs> do you think that would be good? And, and then he tells me, no, because the storage just isn't as good on that. And then we look over to the next one.
1: It's just silly. Verizon is the biggest game in town as far as wireless carriers go in this country, and I feel like a second-class citizen every time I go to take a look at the availability of phones on their network. It's just—it's always been that way. I remember when uh, the—I think AT and T already had a pretty healthy selection of Android devices before Verizon got the Motorola Droid. Did they not? And, and, yeah, that that was
2: only because they wanted to stick it to Apple because Apple put them in a really bad situation with their exclusive deal. So then AT and T got around that by going to uh, Google with Android, Google and manufacturers to get a bunch of Android devices out there as quick as they could. God, how forgetful we become! I
1: forgot yeah. all about all that.
2: Yeah, well, which, <laughs> I think in the early days that hurt Android initially, trying to push as many phones out as quickly as you could just because you had a not, not as good of a uh, user experience with that, which looking at KitKat, it, it's great. I don't see any reason that it loses anything to any iOS uh, version. I hate iOS 7. Now, after I've used it for a while, my 5 runs so slow with it. I, I, there's a pause. I don't know if you've noticed when, when you, you've either called me or I've called you. Once the moment we make our connection, I have to wait a couple seconds for my phone to catch up what? for me to then be able to talk. What? Yeah, I'm serious. Uh, I would love to... I I guess I should make a video and show it. Uh, Is this a commonly known problem? I've looked it up. I I haven't seen anyone specifically saying that they have the same problem I do on the 5. People do have problems on a 4 and 4S with with iOS 7. It it is definitely laggy. My phone shouldn't be, but it is. Hmm. Uh, And and the crazy thing is I don't have my, my storage on it. I've got over half of it available. I switched to iTunes. Here's how bad iOS 7 has been to me recently. I have iTunes Match and iCloud that I purchased, and I'm fine with basically letting that go for myself, having the rest of my family who have iPhones still use it. But I don't care. I'll switch to Google Play for all of that, for all my music. So I don't have any music that's stored on my phone. So it's not like this thing, or videos, or apps. I don't have a bunch of them. I've got plenty of space. But my phone still lags, and I've done several Mm -hmm. hardware resets on it. I've gone Jeez. through all the things that are recommended from Apple. Well, why don't you get still,
1: another device? What's what's with the holdup? I mean, I thought Apple has first-class, great support. They
2: do. I just don't want to go stand in line. I mean, I guess I could schedule something, but for me to go to a an Apple store to to do the quick switch, I got to drive an hour, and mm. I which isn't to, bad. I guess so there there's some people who have to drive you know three and four hours. To go to an I would Apple have store.
1: to drive up to St. Louis. I would have to drive 115 miles from Cape Girardeau here. Um, yeah. Because they're just not going to build an Apple Store in Cape Girardeau, right?
2: <laughs> I just well, I don't know. that They should with uh, the connection to to Rush Limbaugh. He, he should have his own store there.
1: Well, this is the only major city, if you want to call it major, between St. Louis and Memphis. So it's kind of a hubbish type town. Maybe we should get an Apple Store. Well, you should. You, you need to. You should lead the charge to get one. I want to. I want a Microsoft Store so I can buy a Ken. I want a Microsoft Ken. It looks like a very social device.
2: Just so everybody knows, during Black Friday at Microsoft stores and on Microsoft's website, you can get a Surface (laughs) RT for $199. And right after that, I think you should go take another $199 and burn it in the parking lot. Because that's basically what you just did on that device.
1: Uh, this is Steve Balmer. I just want to thank Michael for recommending the Ken. It's a fabulous device. It allows you to keep up with all of your favorite social networks and uh, keep in touch with everybody. And uh, mine, mine is uh, right now clogging the toilet. I'm going to go deal with that. But have a good night. Thank you. Bye. Steve Balmer. Steve, Steve Balmer constantly calling this show. I'm telling you, he's lobbying for my position. We had our. We had Art Bell. And that was great, but Steve Ballmer, wow! Thank you, sir. Titan, Titan uh, of industry.
2: So and developers, I, developers, developers, developers.
1: Uh, make sure you have plenty of uh, of perspiration under your arms when you say that. Uh, it just That's doesn't right. have well, the same. Feeling dude, dude, I'm for sweating. Me. Uh, so uh, yeah, get a Nexus Five, dude, because particularly I, well, someone like you who is willing to say the words "I'm living in a post-app world." That means you do not need. Uh, the absolute fastest device available to mankind, which the Nexus Five, I'm pretty sure, is not. Uh, yeah, it's got decent specs, but it's a it's a high end phone, though. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, it is a high end device, and uh, if you just want a stable device, it's going to be so stable. That's the thing. I I just do not want any carrier encumbrances or manufacturer encumbrances. Yeah,
2: no, I agree. Well, the the other phones I've been looking at. Uh, I, I'm mildly interested in the the Note three hmm. from from uh, Samsung. If you remember back, are you going to get the one ago, that's
1: pure Android? You can buy one, can you? Yeah, but see the thing is, you can get the you can get the Nexus five for three fifty, right? Pull, it's a great full full retail a price out of a contract, no contract.
2: Yeah, AT and T doesn't carry the Nexus five currently. If I get one, I have to do it as a bring your own device. Uh, they, they haven't announced when or if they're going to carry it, but it's technically capable to run on the network it works on uh T-Mobile which shares a network with AT&T so I'll be fine uh, the only thing is I'll have to change my data plan that that's another thing that that I hate about having the iPhone is that my data plan is locked in specific to uh to the iPhone mm-hmm. and I get an awesome deal why it, just to the way they it's all marketing there's really no reason for it to be different.
1: Really, but that makes it all yeah. the more disgusting. God,
2: yeah. I used... Well, when I, I I seriously flirted heavily with that the Nokia phone, and then I found out that I was going to have to pay an extra fifteen dollars a month because I'm going away from a data plan. Well, sorry, no, it was five dollars a month if I went to add hotspot. It was fifteen, uh, just to go away from a quote unquote iPhone grandfathered plan to a standard smartphone data package. So
1: is this a scam designed? And orchestrated by Apple somewhere in the deep dark recesses of the cell phone market to prevent people making the switch to Windows I Phone. I think so. Do they view Windows Phone as a threat? In Cupertino, I don't, I don't
2: think Windows Phone, but of course they do Android. And, and now more than ever, well, we I mean, know I, Android, talked,
1: but we yeah. know they view Android as a threat. But I mean, the more interesting discussion would be if they see something in Windows Phone. That no, I don't think them. they do. Uh, Windows I don't, Phone I don't is either. still. It, it's. I mean. <laughs> the other I'm just thing planting seeds
2: of doubt <laughs> thank you uh, well the, the other thing is another Black Friday deal is the Nokia 520 which is a much lower end Windows phone is unlocked for, for $50 I forget where that is maybe at Best Buy I'm not sure but I thought about buying one of those just as a throwaway phone because I can plug it into a, like a straight talk or one of the pay-as-you-go carriers just so I could see how bad it could have been if I had switched to the uh, fifteen twenty, but then not be stuck with anything, and then still get my Nexus. Problem is the Nexus is backordered, uh, and I hate that. I, I'm one of those people who wants instant gratification. The Nexus as as Five is the,
3: backordered.
1: Yeah, well, that's a good sign. Good, I'm glad. No, it is. Yeah,
2: well, that, that's, it's definitely good for the device, but it's bad for me that wants the phone now. Well,
1: nobody cares about you. I care about well, this Android is as the platform. Your house but, could burn down. I'd send you a, a box full of Gatorade. That's that's the end of my help. I, I, just... I
2: think you're probably the most caring person I know, <laughs> then. Thank you. I think <laughs> well, I might cry, actually. Hold uh, on. I'm
1: going to have to mute my microphone. That's <laughs> making me a little sad. So, yeah, I yeah. recommend the Nexus 5, and I am curious of our listeners out there, if any of you own and use Windows Phone devices, I would really like you to call the show and talk about your experiences with those devices, uh, how you feel about the way it looks, how efficient is it i mean are you able to get to the things that you use quickly and does it seem intuitive um do you regret that you didn't just go with the mainstream and get an android device are there apps that are almost deal breakers or that are deal breakers that you don't have access to on windows phone i'm i actually am quite curious to hear what our listeners have to say about that so if you want to get on the show and chit-chat a little bit about that. The number to call is 573-837-4948. It's 573-837-4948. I don't want to play that song. It's too slow, and uh, there we go. This is what we need. 573-837-4948. 573-837-4948. We'll put you on the air, and uh, you'll be a star. This is the spec sheet. We'll be back I'll tell in you. Just- <laughs> We'll be back in a minute.
0: sheet now at 573-837-4948. Spec Sheet with Curtis Thornton. On this edition, we'll be discussing only lawnmower repair. Please, no calls about computers. Call the show now at 573-837-4948. That's 573-837-4948. And now, here's The Spec Sheet.
3: You brought joy to my
1: You know, I, I don't think I really talk about it enough that uh, the music we play on this show during breaks... Coming in and out of breaks. That's all performed by the band of a guy who goes by the General on Belgab, and the band is called the Satellite Four. And the band has disbanded, but their music. I think just...
2: Monday must about their album.
1: <laughs> no, he just went on tour with them. Yeah, uh, that's what happened, and uh, they are no more. Uh, so they've broken up, but their music is still out there. They've got a few albums available, Eric. Uh, His actual name. Let me give his phone number too. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, (laughs) What was his email address again? (laughs) Eric, the general. He's actually got a solo album or two out there as well. Actually, I think his solo album was among some of my favorite stuff from him, Uh, even more so than the Satellite 4 stuff in some cases. But anyway, I think their website is still in operation. I think thesatellite4.com. That's the number four. And, uh... Like, listen to that. It's like nice 70s Al Green soul type stuff. I mean, God, that's awesome. awesome. Listen to that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> anyway, the Satellite Four. Thank you to them for letting us use their music. And Guild Navigator over at Bellgab, he's also got some music that I keep meaning to add to the rotation, but I'm just so fat and stupid that I never get around to it. Well, are have to get that
2: stuff off the printer. Then why don't you do that?
1: That's uh, That sounds like a reasonable order in which to do things. I will get started right away. Anyway, the number to call, 573-837-4948 if you want to be on the show. And as I solicited people earlier for Windows phone uh, testimonials, we have gotten exactly zero calls on that subject. So That's two more than I expected. Well, what do you expect when they've got, what, 3% of the market share out there. What are the odds that someone listening to our show, A, has one, and B, is willing to call the radio show to talk about it? I mean, You're right. Really, what are the odds? They say, uh, and I've, I've, I've heard at least in talk radio, uh, for every group of 100 people listening to the show, you can expect one of them to pick up the phone and actually call. So... Based, We're doing on, well, b- based on those statistics, we have 700,000 listeners tonight. Thank you. It's uh, really <laughs> yes. wonderful to bring the show to you. Thank you. Uh,
2: this, this episode is, is sponsored by Windows Phone, correct?
1: Um, it's sponsored by Steve Ballmer's armpits. Uh, <laughs> nice. Thank you for that. We uh, thank you for supporting the show. Speaking of Steve Ballmer, uh, it looks like there are a lot of defective Xboxes floating around out there. This is from CNET. Um If your Xbox One is completely unplayable, crash-prone, or suffers from Internet connection or connect related issues, you are not eligible for a free launch title game Microsoft Confirmed Tuesday. Microsoft moved quick to address the mounting concern over the allegedly small number of units plagued with a faulty disk drive. This is how Red Ring of Death started, too, wasn't it? It was a
2: small amount
1: of... It's always this. Well, the only way you're going to know how many people it is is going to be based on what Microsoft tells you. Right. Because they are the only people who would have contact with every single one of these customers. So you're naturally just not getting correct information, I'm sure. They're promising correct. to take care of those users by directing them to its advanced exchange program that would ensure delivery of a replacement console without needing those users to send in the original. It also softened the blow by giving away one of four Microsoft Studio launch titles for free, which players could still download digitally to their accounts and play without the need of a working disk drive. You know uh, what this tells me? <laughs> what? Don't go to eBay to buy an open box <coughs> Xbox One. Oh, that's a good tip. Yeah. That's do a not really do good tip, actually. I had that's not... The first thing I thought... I had not considered things in that context, but yes, I mean, why else would it be floating around out there for sale like that? Right. It's... I mean... Yeah, and the the
2: problem is, even if they had some kind of flag system to show that that this one was defective, the average person going to buy one for a Christmas present this season isn't going to check that. They're not even going to know it exists. I so... So be careful at GameStop, places like that, buying used
1: equipment. I so totally want the Xbox One to fail relative to the PS4, but... Man, uh, it's not looking like that's going to be the case. Unfortunately, I, I the more I investigate the situation, the more I look at the comparisons between the the uh, Xbox One and the PS4. I have to say to myself, maybe next time. <laughs> right? <laughs> you know, there may yeah. not. There probably won't be a next time. I think this is well, probably the last PlayStation you're going to see. Yeah. Well, what, what
2: drives me crazy is that. The Xbox One should be called now includes NSA direct pipeline to your living room. I just can't stand all these cameras and microphones listening all the time. On either I mean, the PlayStation Four is trying to go that direction too, but the Connect is just it, it's baked in the NSA encryption for them to be able to watch you.
1: If you could just go back to the year 1980, let's say, and transport someone through time from that year to the year twenty uh, thirteen and take them to the living room of somebody with an Xbox One uh, perched proudly in their entertainment center. Mm-hmm. What would that person think as they look at this thing that's always on, effectively, that has What's a that camera What's Betamax X? doing? <laughs> yeah. It was they a far superior same. format. You know, VHS yeah. was uh, highly inferior. It had fewer lines of resolution. So, uh, yeah, the Betamax was superior, but it lost out due to licensing issues on Sony's part.
0: I don't know how many times I have to hear,
1: anytime I say the word Betamax, that's what you can expect to hear someone in the room say, someone knows the history of Betamax and VHS, and they desperately want to recite it to you.
2: Okay, well, I'll admit that as soon as that person talks, I say, well, you do know that Laserdisc has been able to produce high-definition format uh, quality for years. It's just no one wanted to use something the size of a record.
1: Well, but Laserdisc is analog, is it not? Uh, I don't think so. I think it is. Is it? I
2: think. But it it, it could produce uh, uh, an HD quality signal, though. It had the space to do that. Did it? Yeah. Really? Yeah, that's what I've always heard. I mean, I don't have specific specs to throw out there, but when I understood it, DVD was a step backwards when that came out. And it was completely a marketing ploy to sell some movies in between because Laserdisc failed so badly because people didn't want to, They they perceived those as records versus... A compact disc for music. They're like, why wouldn't my movie be the same size? So they downsampled it, put it on DVD. Walmart sold them for cheap, and then people bought all the same movies they already had on VHS several times over. And now they're getting them on Blu-ray.
1: Um, according to Wikipedia, yeah, it is an analog format. It is okay. Yeah, I think a lot of people just thought it was digital because, well, look at it.
2: Yeah, I assumed it was. I mean, that's a new one on me.
1: Yeah, uh, and I think it was all standard definition. Well, it
2: was, yeah, but they could have. the the technology. Oh, you're saying could okay. Have. You're saying yeah. okay. Yeah, the technology could have. We would have had HD straight from you. Know, DVD would never should have existed. <laughs> it was a step backwards.
1: I remember being in like the ninth grade, I believe it was, and we just got all of these new TVs with laser disc players, and it mm-hmm. seemed so awesome. Just. Wow, we could see a tornado if she just pushes this button on that screen. We're gonna watch a tornado. Look, there it is. Oh, look, it's tearing the roof off. Oh my god, this is awesome! I gotta get a laserdisc player quick. And then they just kind of went away. They stopped using them. I didn't sell well.
2: I mean, the 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 feedback they got once it was out there, from from my understanding, is people felt it was, even though it was technically a step forward. They felt it was a step backwards because it was closer to the size of a full-size album versus a compact disc, and people wanted a compact disc. So the group that made the compact compact disc went to the drawing board and and created DVD. Got sign on with retail places. They sold them. They completely thought the technology would be a stopgap measure before they had a high definition format ready to go at the same size. And look how long it took them because it was such a It sold so well that DVD lasted a lot longer than it should have.
1: This was a nice tangent, all the result of me saying that I really want to see the Xbox fail. Yeah. But I just don't think that's going to happen. I think the Xbox brings too much to the living room uh, in comparison to the PS4. And I think unless you're someone who, well, I'll say that unless you're someone who doesn't care about any of that and you just want to play games and that's it then the mm-hmm. PS4 probably appeals to you more. And if you're you're a little skeptical of this Kinect stuff with the camera uh, watching you uh, in your living room 24-7. Yeah. Uh, and
2: I have a Kinect on the Xbox 360. It just freaks me out. I, I've, I've always wanted to create a website that's parodies of things that Microsoft is watching in a living room. All the different uncomfortable scenarios that have been recorded on Kinect systems. And sent back home.
1: One thing I will say about the Xbox One is that it doesn't seem like a very forward-thinking pursuit. And having it set up as a pass-through device for your Mm -hmm. cable, I mean, well, I I have not. I'm a cord cutter. I have not had cable TV since 2009, and prior to that, I hadn't had it since 2003. And when I had it in 2009, I only had it for a couple months before I realized this is shit. I don't want it, and I got rid of it. Uh, and I've not paid for cable TV since. The only thing the cable company gets from me is money for my internet connection, which I in turn use for the purpose of obviating their other services, including telephone. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah. it, it's. It, I don't think ever in history we've seen an example of a company selling a product that can be used to render all of its other products obsolete this is the first yeah. time we've ever seen that happen in in any market and that's happening with the cable companies you can you can obviate every single service they provide phone tv just simply by getting their internet connection that they sell that's I, true it's it's going to it's it's eventually going to come to a head where they can't continue financially to provide those additional services like what? phone and tv and they're just going to become a dumb internet pipe
2: yeah, well, that, that's why Comcast specifically is buying m- media companies. That's why they took over NBC and so many other things and they're delivering content, because that's going to be what matters in the future.
1: Your, your analysis is so much better than mine. See, I never, yeah, I, I, never, I never would have said, that's why NBC is doing, I never would have said that. <laughs> that's just Brilliant. That's why I well, like doing this. Th- that's why I'm first. right here on your hip, ready to go. <laughs> just people, pat me on the head and let's keep moving. People think I'm I'm good at doing this, but I'm really not. I'm just good at saying the right things to get Curtis on some sort of a lengthy uh, rant of some sort, and it works out well. Well, uh, well.
2: One thing I want to throw out there is that during our break, uh, being the geek I am, I was looking at processors on uh, Android phones out right now, and the Nexus 5 has a, quad-core 2.3 gigahertz phone or cpu which is equivalent to the
1: note 3 and the lg2 so it's right up there in specs get the note get the get the get the nexus 5 because if you get uh, if you get the note for it to be what i would consider a device that i want to use software wise it's going to have to be pure android and a lot of people um are starting to feel a little bit down on samsung because of all the bloat that they're including in these these galaxy devices
2: the, the first Android I wanted to buy, it just it was too cost prohibitive. But, but I would have bought an S4 uh, Nexus experience if the price had been $400 and not 650
1: Nexus 5, $350, I believe the, the, that's the 16 gigabyte edition and the 32 gigabyte. Is that $50 more? It's
2: $50. Yeah. I mean, that's so much better than, that's than the reasonable. Yeah. The, the one thing I don't like is that it doesn't have an SD expansion. And I think when you and I were talking, one of the... Uh, that's sort like of the, the Nexus
1: show. shtick.
2: Right. Well, yeah, that, that's why I wanted the S4 since it did have, uh, or the uh, HTC One. Uh, both of those had, I think, well, I, I know the S4 did, I think, the, the one had external storage. But uh, the, the Lumia, one of the other reasons I decided not to go with that is it was expandable up to 64 gigs with uh, micro SD, but it doesn't tie in natively to the operating system, uh, and that's a pain. I don't want to get a 16-gigabyte uh, Windows phone and then load it up with a bunch of stuff and then not be able to use my memory card for anything other than photos and things I like copy over to it manually, which is a big complaint of mine for Windows uh, Windows 8 on my tablet.
1: When you and I were talking privately uh, a few days ago, Curtis and I were talking privately. Yeah. <laughs> That's disgusting. When we were talking the other day and you mentioned uh, your possible purchase of a Windows phone device. Um, I mentioned to you that it used to be when you had a Windows phone device, you plug in the SD card and then the operating system essentially commandeers that SD card, takes full control of it, essentially installs part of itself onto the SD card, and the SD card at that point becomes non-removable. And... Hmm. I, that was back in the earlier days, though, of Windows Phone that this was the case. I think it was among the very first Windows Phone devices that were released uh, that this was the case. And I'm wondering if there's anyone out there who knows, is this something architectural about Windows Phone 8 that continues to be the case? Is this still the case that this operating system takes over the SD card like that and installs itself? to I think not, because did they not? Did they not? Uh, essentially throw out everything and rewrite Windows Phone from the ground up and move it to an entirely different architecture. Yeah, it, it,
2: it's not it, it's not as good of a synergy between Windows 8 and Windows 8 Phone as it should be, but it's a lot closer now than it was in the past. So I do th- my understanding of it is that's not a problem anymore, but I've only played with Windows Phones. So I've not used one as my daily device, so I don't know. But that's why I mentioned I might buy the 520 For 50 bucks, just as a a play toy, just to see, again, it's $50 for the future I could have had uh, out there where I'm, you know, complaining every episode about my crappy phone. Oh, wait, I guess I'm doing that already, aren't I? But uh, I might do that just to see what the limitations are of the Windows 8 phone environment. I mentioned in the chat room that I write uh, programs and, and web apps in C Sharp, so I'm a Windows developer, and I haven't found any reason to build a windows phone app up to this point. It's just when I look at different apps to build, I go, I've played with Android and I've done iOS test apps and uh, I'd much rather do that or just a web app. And there's no reason I found to actually build an app for a windows phone.
1: Okay. Um, man, I had something I was going to say and I forgot what it was. I hate it when I do that. And then when I'm listening to the show later on, I'm even like, ah, that's what You I know was exactly listening. what it was then. Yeah, because you, you sort of get taken back into the moment when you were doing the show, and you're like, ah, that's what I was going to yeah. say there. It's very frustrating. So let me see here. We talked about that. Uh, Eric Schmidt. Mm-hmm. This is interesting. Google Chairman Offers Guide on Switching to Android. This is from USA Today. Guides for making the switch from the iPhone to Android smartphones can be found with a quick web search. But it's not often readers will spot one from the chairman of Google. Eric Schmidt is using his Google Plus profile to promote the company's popular operating system through a four-step guide for transitioning away from the iPhone. Naturally, Schmidt praises the latest wave of Android devices for its larger screens and more intuitive interfaces. And like better it, profits. He says... Like the people who moved from PCs to Macs and never switched back, you will switch from iPhone to Android and never switch back as everything will be in the cloud, backed up. And there are so many choices for you, right, Schmidt? What a visionary. Everything will be yeah. in the cloud. I never had considered that as our possible future. because think no think self-serving, has... working for Google to believe everything will be in the cloud? Well, that's another thing, yeah. I mean, who's the source of the information <laughs> right. here? I, I think... I think people instinctively feel resistant toward this notion of putting everything on some uh, anonymous, nameless, faceless hard drive on some anonymous, nameless, faceless server somewhere in the world belonging to a company that they have nothing to do with. I don't think a lot of people are particularly happy about the notion of doing so.
2: Well, that reminds me, anyone who has an Adobe account needs to make sure they've changed their password by now and hopefully you've received the emails because that's a cloud service that got uh, compromised several months ago. I still get emails about it. What service? I to, uh, Adobe. If you're an oh, Adobe yeah, Creative Cloud or just a, if you've downloaded and registered for Adobe Flash or Acrobat, uh, they they got compromised and millions of email addresses, I, I believe, were compromised in the process of it. I still get emails, like I said, making sure I've secured and changed passwords
1: we have a really horrible precedent. I mean, this alone is a really good reason to be sort of anti cloud. We have a really good precedent in Mega Upload mm-hmm. where those servers were seized. Uh, that big fat Kim.com guy goes to jail. And then the people who also had data on those servers, because I mean, this hosting company whose servers were taken over by the feds. The feds did not say, okay, well, let's only take what has uh, pertinence in the mega-upload situation. No, they just went in, they took all the hardware. So anyone who had data on those servers that also happened to have data belonging to the mega-upload account, uh, they've lost that data, and the federal government has yet to give it back to them, has not indicated that they ever even will give it back to them. So... What does that exactly do for the for the cloud and any reputation it may or may not have? I mean, if the government's not on board with handling these things more surgically and in a way that's fair and, and, and allows people their privacy uh, and allows people f- to feel secure in putting their data out there like that, if the government's not going to play nice, why would we bother putting it out there? There's nothing these companies can do to make the government play nicely. So what if I have my stuff on one of Google's servers... My Google Drive, let's say, and my data happens to reside on the same physical server as a mega upload type account that's doing supposedly purportedly illegal things. And the whole thing gets taken and I'm screwed. That's wonderful. Thank you. No one ever (laughs) talks about that. I mean, that seems like a fundamental hurdle that needs to be overcome and or addressed before we all start just flagrantly throwing our data out there on the Internet.
2: Yeah, well... I've always taken the point of view that the cloud is great to use as a collaboration to put things out that I have stored locally. I don't have a problem with that to give people access to it, but it's not going to be my only source of backup, and it's not going to be a place that I, I'm going to focus on for storing everything. Uh, another thing that popped in my mind as you're talking about that, there's a, a, a new iteration of viruses and spyware called ransomware that you can get on your system and it'll basically encrypt some seemingly random files and then try to force you to pay, usually in bitcoins, which is a form of online currency uh, that's become popular, to pay them with that so they can't be tracked before they'll decrypt your files and give them back to you. Uh, a system that can be easily beaten by backing up your data to a secure off-site location that's not necessarily just the cloud, but to an external hard drive, tape, some other process uh, that way you're not dependent on the cloud for a scenario like you mentioned where the servers get uh, seized and you're just SOL when it comes to getting access to your data uh, or something like ransomware when it, when it does strike and you find out that you, your folder that has your QuickBooks uh, data file uh, has been encrypted by some hackers out of Romania and uh, you're stuck.
1: The, uh, Boy, that really does suck. And I've seen that on a few machines that have come through the office here. Mm-hmm. And it gives you a timer. And what what happens is you're told that you have until this time. It's a specific date and time, uh, mm-hmm. usually set about two days to three days out. And what happens is when that timer runs out, the the, the encryption key for you to be able to access your data on your computer, your data is still on your computer. It's just encrypted. So if right. you're able to view it, it just looks like random gobbledygook. So you need the encryption key in order to be able to unlock that. But if the timer runs out, your encryption key is no longer accessible. It is gone, and there's nothing that can be done to get your data back, uh, regardless of whether you pay. The th- so you could pay the $300, and you're still not going to get your data back. Yeah. And the, the, the problem with backing up is, You've got to be sure that you have some sort of a fail-safe in place so that as your backups are automatically synchronized, that this ransomware doesn't get control of your data, encrypt it, and then the good data on your backup system gets replaced and synchronized with the bad encrypted data. Yeah. And then you're really screwed. You've got no backup. The key
2: incremental backups versus a full backup. Because with an incremental backup of your files, you could go back a day or maybe two or three days, to get an unencrypted version of it. But if you're doing just a bulk copy or full backup all the time or every day or every night, then yeah, if that file got encrypted at midnight tonight and you do a full backup, then you just overwrote your, your backup file with an encrypted version. The key is to make sure that it's an incremental backup. So you can go uh, to that one thing that a lot of windows users with windows seven and windows Vista are experienced with is the uh, system restore where you can go back in time to before you installed some program or had some browser issue that caused you not to be able to use your PC the way you wanted to, same kind of idea where you can go back in time to a past version of that file before it was encrypted by the the ransomware. And, and you know, when I think of all the different things that people do to PCs to cause trouble, this ransomware just annoys me so much. A joke for a long time I've heard is that the first viruses were built by virus uh, protection software basically just to build an industry for them again a solution looking for a problem uh, ransomware feels like the exact same thing for backup companies uh, i know that's not what it is i'm not trying to build a conspiracy where there isn't one but it does work out pretty well to to be a great way to teach people the proper way to do their backups the first first time you have a very important file or just say pictures of your family that that get encrypted and lost to time is the it's the worst time to learn about backup but you're going to pay the most attention
1: to it Evelyn says we're not paying any attention to the chat room. Uh and I'm I wasn't, paying attention to it. I wasn't even signed into the chat room. <laughs> so yeah. uh yeah,
2: I wasn't. Sorry about that. Yeah. I, they're allowed to have their conversation when I see something that uh looks really exciting then I I throw it out here.
1: Um so, Eric Schmidt's got his switching to i uh, to Android guide available to you out there. If you weren't sure how to go get another phone and turn it on and basically follow the prompts, uh, Eric Schmidt is going to walk you along through that process. So, we wish you a lot of luck as you make the big switch.
2: Yeah, I would love to hear his voice, or at least your version of his voice, talk you through every prompt as you go through
1: it. He does have a really whiny... Yeah, sort of Bill Gatesish type voice, doesn't he? Sort of. Yeah, that's why you don't hear him as often. <laughs> <the web. laughs> and I'd say that's one of the the best things
2: that Google has done. Even though people in the who, who pay a lot of attention to tech know that the guy is here at the core of Google, the average person doesn't know and doesn't care. Google is a search engine to them. They've done a good job of hiding behind the brand, which is smart.
1: You sent me a lot of links earlier. Um, Did you uh, delete them all? Yes, promptly. And I wrote the author of the articles to complain. Well, good. <laughs> that's, that's Take these articles the do down, please. Um, it's always nice to know my
2: show prep gets thrown out the window.
1: Uh, MIT one-ups Microsoft by building a better connect. This is off of device device.com. Yeah. That's D-V-I-C-E dot com. Um, this doesn't surprise me at all. I mean, when we saw the original connect... And what people were doing with it, the only things that were interesting that people were doing with the Kinect were things that Microsoft themselves never envisioned anyone doing with the Kinect. These people managed to do the things that they did with the Kinect, not because of Microsoft, but in spite of Microsoft. Mm-hmm. And then people started doing all of these really awesome things. Where, like, One of the cooler ones I saw was where this girl is standing in front of the camera, and she moves her arm to select various clothing that she'd like to see superimposed over her body. So there were like squares on the screen, and when she reaches her arm up to one of those squares, whatever garment is inside the square shows up on her body. And it yeah. follows her as she moves around, as she turns, the garment turns so you see the back of it. And it's very responsive and uh, really almost flaw- flawlessly executed. Microsoft didn't see any of that coming when they created the Kinect Um and so it doesn't at yeah, all surprise me someone's building something far more interesting. Students and they did it for
2: that. $500 for yeah. $500 and off the shelf uh, products using LEDs and, and readily available uh, items. They were able to build a connect that does a better job of judging the distance of items based off of the reflection of light on it. I just thought that was so cool. I mean, again, <laughs> the connect scares me for the way it's been implemented I think it's an invasion of privacy, ultimately, that we've all accepted into our lives for whatever reason. But I do think it's cool to see people, you know, MIT obviously is notorious for building these amazing out, outside-the-box uh, tech items. But to see that they did it for as cheap as they did and as accurately as they've done, that really impressed me. I thought it, it, it's a good thing. To do. It's an interesting thing to talk about as people buy their their Xbox Ones right now with an already obsolete Kinect Camera.
1: So this is better than the one in the Xbox One, then? I believe so. Yeah. Hmm. Well, good for them. Yeah, For five hundred dollars, another version of the Connect. I also
2: won't do anything with. Great. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. How many games for the Connect do you have? Or you have a Connect, right? No. Oh, you don't? <laughs> no. I thought you did. What's wrong with you? <laughs> oh. Well, then I don't either. Yeah. I guess
1: we'll have to go back and edit part of the show to maintain consistency in that regard. But no, you don't have a Connect either. Right. What did you envision doing with this thing when you bought it? What do you do with it? <laughs> Nothing. That was my
2: question. What What games do you have and use? And I was going to say I have zero. or I own like four or five games that are all kids-related games. And when my kids sit down to play on the Xbox, which they do way more than I do, they play Minecraft and Sonic Racing. And they don't ever touch Kinect games. It's just not worth it.
1: And it was one of the fastest-selling
2: Pieces consumer of consumer
1: devices, yeah. Pieces of consumer electronics ever,
2: right? That because just, everybody that, that just shows how stupid eager we are to give our freedom up just a little bit anytime we get a chance to.
1: Wow, that's a little extreme. Well, I mean, <laughs> I bought I, my
2: Connect. I, I was
1: in jail the next day. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I bought it
2: <laughs> when I looked at the uh, the the Wii U, and that just didn't didn't impress me at all. I was like, well, hey, how about I bring this device that has a camera and a microphone that listens in on everything I'm doing. Sounds great to me. I'll buy that. So I did.
1: Well, I mean, really, we're walking around with phones that do just that. Oh yeah, and worse, they track our locations. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, uh, we've already jumped the chasm. So it's it's really it's hard to complain about any of this and maintain even a modicum of credibility. Because as I sit here and complain about it, I'm looking at my Android device. Let's see, my pattern to unlock is zigzag. There we go. I mean, (laughs) it's stupid. We're, yeah, we're, everywhere you one look, thing I love tracked. is I, I
2: pick up my iPhone, and the first app I'm going to look at is Google. So I can look at Google now and see how, how the traffic is between here and my office. You know, it, it's amazing how quick I can see this stuff.
1: I have never used that feature of uh, of the navigation app, the, the traffic indicators. Oh, right? really? What do they do? Are they Are they relying on sensors that have some sort of a public... API that anyone can just get their hooks into from the, yeah, I guess Department so. I mean, cause like I look
2: right now and I, I can tell that it's right now, six minutes from me to my office and the little traffic path is all blue, which means it's you know, no impediments. Hmm. And, and yeah, I, I I'm interested in to know, cause in the morning, of course, traffic is going to be higher with people commuting or driving to work. And I live right by a, a busy road. It, it definitely changes colors based on traffic. So someone somewhere is grabbing traffic pattern information and feeding that into Google because I doubt it's real time. It's probably based on some aggregated data.
1: I'm sorry. My phone's distracting me. I should have had something insightful and wonderful to say when you wrapped up. I got nothing. You know, this is actually what I was kind of looking for the other day when I asked you how much does the Moto X cost off contract, which I did a little research and it's not cheap. I mean, it's hundreds of dollars. I think it's like 400 or something. The reason I asked was because my wife had lost her phone. Oh, that's a story. I have content for the radio show right now. (laughs) Your life is our father. (laughs) (laughs) So my wife lost her phone the other day at JCPenney, and there was this suspicious guy. Okay, he was Asian. No, I'm kidding. There was this suspicious guy standing next to my wife, and when she lost her phone, she suspected that he was the one that had taken it. And she went up to he and his girlfriend at some point and asked, hey uh, have you seen my phone? And they both said no. And she said, well, that's okay. I, I think I'll just have Verizon track it and I'll figure out where it is. And so that was the end of that. She lost her phone. We weren't able to track it on lookout because the battery was dead. That's one thing you learn is that lookout mobile security. I don't know. It doesn't work too well when the battery's dead. They do have a, a feature called signal flare, this is this is a device this is an app by the way you can use on your Android device if you want to be able to lock the device if it's lost if you want to be able to wipe the data off of the device if you want to be able mm. to locate the device if you want to make the device make a siren sound so you can physically find it in the house it does all <laughs> the of the most used feature it does all of this but one of the neater features is that it's got a it's got something called signal flare and so what that does is when the when the when the app detects that the de- battery... In the- you know what? You guys just hang out while I have a stroke uh, right here on the radio. I am so incapable of speaking tonight. I'm like, bah! when the <laughs> app is... Uh, is got- <clears throat> bah! uh So anyway, when the app detects that the battery is getting low, it immediately flips on the satellite, uh, the GPS receiver, and it... Uh, documents the phone's location and uploads that to the lookout server so that when you do go to look for your phone, even though the battery's dead, you'll see where that signal flare message was sent from. And that was not enabled on on her phone, uh, thankfully. So, yeah, that didn't work for me either. So, long story short, we buy a new phone on eBay, a new Galaxy Nexus, not new, it was used, but it didn't have a scratch on the screen anywhere, and otherwise it was in almost pristine condition. $84 mm. shipped. Uh, can't be that. No, you now, cannot. What was but, your, did, but, did
2: you get the ESN number? Were you able to check that to make sure it wasn't banned for some reason or stolen?
1: Which Which ESN? On the
2: new one for, for the, the new one that you bought.
1: Well, I just thought, well, if it doesn't work, I'm going to send it back, <laughs> and then just use eBay's. I mean, if protection. it's got a bad ESN, they better list that in the listing. They better make mention of that. Well, yeah. I mean, that's a pretty significant little uh, caveat. To, yeah, but people do that all the time. Well, well, well maybe not on eBay. I guess but if you want negative feedback, yeah, If yeah, someone but, sends me but, a device with a bad ESN, they're getting a they're getting a ding,
2: <laughs> understandably. But when you go to Craigslist to buy it, then. Yeah, who who knows?
1: Well, who knows? There, there's not really a system in place to prevent that stuff, there. right? That's why it's, it's re- better to find
2: people to have you come to a hotel and kill you, like that guy who.
1: But anyway, but anyway, so we got a new phone for eighty four dollars, and then yesterday, I'm at the vet with my dog, and this girl calls me and says that she's found my wife's phone, and it turns out she found it about a mile, maybe a mile and a half from where my wife lost it. It was lying in the ground. Next to this place where they sell tractors. Oh, <laughs> and, really? Yeah, and so she took it home, turned it on, and I have this thing that scrolls across the screen that says, hey, I'm Michael Van Dieven. If you lose my phone, you better call me there, buddy. Yeah, it doesn't yeah. say that for show, it's 573. <laughs> yeah. We love to chat. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It's got the phone number and address. She called me, I got the device back, end of story. I think what happened was this guy had the phone and he discovered the battery was dead and he just chucked it out the window, or that thing she said about Verizon tracking it, maybe that spooked him a little yeah. bit, so he decided he would chuck the phone. Either way, we got it back. And um, that's why I was asking you about the cost of the Moto X, but it doesn't matter because we bought another, uh, we bought a replacement for $84. My, the point I want to make here, <clears throat> beyond just the awesome $179 cost of the Moto G, uh, is that I recommend, I highly recommend that you not purchase phone insurance. The only time I think, because look at this. Uh, let me pull up the calculator here because I'm, uh, after years of incessant drug use and just general self-abuse, I can't do math anymore. <laughs> so, well, uh,
2: like most of America anymore with a Common Core. You might not be able to do math anyway.
1: So let's say uh, let's say the insurance costs seven dollars a month. I think it's actually like eight dollars a month, but we'll say seven dollars yeah. a month times twelve months. So we're halfway into a two year contract. You've spent eighty four dollars in your phone insurance premiums. Plus, being a smartphone, they're going to make you pay a deductible of right, at least the thing. of yeah. at least a hundred dollars. So now we're up to one hundred and eighty four dollars on a device that's worth eighty four dollars. So I've spent $184 to replace a device that's worth $84 when in reality what I should have just done is use the device and then replace it whenever it needs to be replaced. I think that the only reason to purchase insurance is if you have, let's say, a Galaxy Note 3, a really expensive phone, and it's still new, and the market value of that device is still really high. But you've got a lot to take into account there when you're looking at all the metrics here to determine if you're getting screwed by the insurance or not. And the thing that people fail to take into account when they're deciding whether to buy the insurance or not is the market value of your device. What is the actual, if you want to go to eBay right now and buy this phone, what's it going to cost you? Uh, versus what you would have paid for the insurance, people to replace your device, and they are not going to give you a new phone. That's to top it yeah, all off. A- There's the insult to injury. You're going to get a refurbished device. And my friend Tom, who does the liner work that you hear on this wonderful podcast, going in and out of breaks. I remember a few years ago he got a refurb phone, and it was totally screwed up. It was scuffed. It was I. It was unbelievable. The, just the gall of those people to have sent that device to him. And since then, I have not been a believer in the refurb units that are sent out by Verizon or any carrier. Maybe they've changed in that regard. I don't know. Don't buy the insurance. The the only reason to buy the insurance is if you have an extremely expensive device and you just bought it. But I would say even in that case, like on the Note 3, uh, I mean, if you think about it, we're talking about the law of averages. So if you have a two-year contract term, the average point... In that contract at which someone is going to lose their phone is going to be one year in, I guess. Yeah, I, well, I think that's a reasonable way to analyze it. And yeah, one so. year and one year into the contract, there are not a lot of devices out there that in terms of their market value can justify what you've paid in insurance premiums and the deductible at that one year mark.
2: Well, I, I always look at it too, like, like new cars. Boy, that was long-winded. Oh, but it was great. In uh, the whole time you were saying, I kept thinking of buying a new car uh, because you go you go pick out the brand new whatever you want, say Toyota Camry. Uh, you buy that, you pay the premium full price for it. You drive it off the lot. And there's always the saying that it drops in value the moment you leave the, the parking lot. So you're never going to get out of this vehicle what you just paid for it, and it's exactly how phones are because right after you buy that thing. It's never going to have that same value again. Something else is going to come out very quickly to override whatever the, the value proposition that made your phone the best one at that time. So like you said, you're going to be able to go to eBay somewhere else in the real marketplace place of, uh, of phones without uh, a locked plan oh my and, God. and be able to buy your device. Oh my so, God. Th- there's certain things I will buy insurance on if it's something that I think I can't you know, spend you know days and days without and I'm okay with getting a refurbished version of it, then I'll, I'll get a protection plan. But very rarely will I maybe for a uh, high end TV or a server for, for business purposes. But for most consumer stuff, it's throwaway any, at, at, at any point. So
1: I'm looking at the Verizon website right now. Here we are. It's not $7 a month. It's $8 a month. So we pay that for 12 months. We're at $96. Um, Okay, so the deductible is forty-five dollars, not a hundred. It looks like uh, this is total. This is what they call total equipment coverage. Uh, so the deductible is forty-five. So right there, we're at one hundred and forty-one dollars. So I still would have lost even with the, uh, even with the deductible. And the here's the here's the real caveat caveat emptor. <laughs> Two replacements in a twelve-month period. That's all you're limited to, and. Your replacement is going to be an equipment maximum of $400 per claim. So yeah. if you lost your Galaxy Note, let's say, right into the contract, let's say a week after you start your contract, you lose your Galaxy Note, you're going to you're gonna have to make up the difference from the $400 that they're going to give you to replace that. And that's at their discretion, too. They may have some bullcrap reason to tell you that it's not worth them giving you $400. They may say it's 350 or three $300, whatever. But there are yeah, a lot no, of caveats I think, here. I think especially for Oh, no, 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 no. I'm sorry. That was for basic phones. So the smartphones are, it is a $100 deductible, $8 a month per device. Um, you get two replacements in a 12-month period with an uh, equipment maximum of $1,500 per claim. So that's pretty good, the $1,500. Yeah, that, that, that covers any phone. Yes, that co- that covers any phone. But still, not many people have a phone of the type of value to justify this. it's just- yes.
2: Yeah. That, that reminds me of AT&T pushing its uh, new program called AT&T Next, where you can pay monthly for your phone and be able to get out of the contract at any point. I looked at that and tried to do the math to see if it was worth it for, uh, i trying to think the phones, the uh, LG uh, G2 and uh, the HTC One Max, I believe. It was going to be $27 a month to get that phone, after you've paid for two years, you keep the phone, it's yours, uh, and you can start another plan and keep paying. So you basically lease the phone with an option to buy at zero at the end of the, the contract. But in that, every year you can upgrade your device and just change your your payment plan. So if the next phone is, is $32, you give them back your original phone and upgrade to the new plan. At first I thought, hey, that, that's kind of cool because then if I hate this Windows phone I'm thinking about getting, within a year I can switch it with anything else and just pay a monthly payment. And then I realized that I'm going to be paying for this device so quickly with that 27 a month that why not just buy the thing unlocked and skip the whole deal?
1: Just put it on a credit card. You could probably yeah. make that sort of a payment every month. But right, yeah. I, why I, get into as as all soon this as you look complexity, at complexity? It's just a... It's just a bunch of complexity designed to fool you into doing business where you probably otherwise wouldn't have done it.
2: Yeah. Well, when you think about the fact that every on AT&T specifically, every two years you can get uh, a new phone anyway with just a, 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 a subsidized price and maybe a $25 or $35 activation fee. It just did not make sense. Um, Jasmunda was asking uh, the call-in number. I don't know if he's asking for us or the.
1: If he calls the us, it's cast. over. If he calls us, the show will be over. You do know this, and, right.
2: Well, you know, I, I like to play with fire.
1: For those listening who don't understand, that's an inside joke because Mundo is a Bell Gab user, and what happened was when Art Bell was hosting Dark Matter, uh, he he's in Australia. He's the Australian guy you you heard incessantly calling Art on Skype, uh, and he gave so, a great
2: uh, story. For uh, Spooky Matters, Hugh.
1: <laughs> and so this... No, you really this, I liked it. It was all... I guess you could say it was a meme started going around about how Dark Matter ended because Jasmunda's calls essentially derailed the show, which <laughs> they didn't, but that was just sort of the joke that was going around. So now everyone is continuing the joke by saying he shouldn't call our show because we're in trouble if he does, which is why I will ask that he refrain. Uh so that that this Moto G one hundred and seventy nine dollars. This is exactly the type of thing I was looking for when I was asking you about the Moto X. This is uh, it's going to run on AT and T and T Mobile. Uh, of course, if you're on Verizon, forget it. Again, those on CDMA networks will have to wait until early next year. And I just I'm so tired of this Verizon. is yeah, ridiculous. Just, it's, it's just again and again. So the the premise here is you're getting a lot of phone for a hundred and seventy nine dollars on uh, no contract, uh, a four and a half inch display. Um, I'm reading for any other specs that are of interest. A hundred and seventy nine dollars for the. 8-gigabyte model, 199 for the 16. So anyone who really wants to keep the cost down is going to be more than happy to spend 179 for 8 gigabytes of storage. Most people don't really use that much right. anyway. Most people get all their stuff off of their phone before it ever accumula- accumulates to that point. Uh, I mean, but with I, Android, I the, the larger,
2: the, the more storage you use, does it slow the device down? At all? I, I mean, does it, does it you know what? cash I, basically, I, I,
1: to this? I'm noticing that it does. Okay. I'm noticing... I, I mean, I my, noticed that on iOS. My phone has come to a crawl, and I went in and I removed as many of the videos and pictures as I could find. I removed everything I could find, got it up on my Google Drive, and permanently removed it from the phone. And it's still sluggish. And I go in and I look at the available storage space, and it's telling me that, like... Uh, it's telling me that like several gigabytes of the, the, the oh my God, it's telling me that several gigabytes of the storage are consumed and I cannot determine what it is that's taking up the space. I have Isn't no that even idea. even after a reboot? Yeah. Oh, yes. Okay. I, I have no idea what's taking up the space. Hmm. I hooked it up to a computer and I did the asterisk dot asterisk search hmm. and I did not find anything that would that would lend to this much space on the device being consumed i have no That's where idea. verizon
2: is secretly storing kitkat on it waiting for the day that they decide to release it to you
1: i think what's happening is as i'm sitting on the toilet for 40 minutes playing with my phone and uh developing as a serious case of red butt ring uh, <laughs> that
2: reminds me don't ever pick up someone else's cell phone for that that very reason
1: i know isn't that the truth
2: <laughs> I, 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 yeah, I
1: think I, I think that Verizon is just taking pictures of me as I'm on the toilet. That that has to be the only plausible explanation to this situation. Yeah, and boy, is there a lot of opportunity for pictures.
2: <laughs> so I need to add that to my uh, parody Connect site as photos that never should have been taken.
1: Keith was asking for maybe some sort of a promotional picture or something.
2: <laughs> yeah. I've you, got you, a you bunch of them that. on
1: my phone. Let me. Uh, let, yeah, Verizon let, has
2: those pre-configured well, for you.
1: I'll have Verizon get in contact with you directly, <laughs> yeah. Keith Roland. We yeah. have a treasure trove of photos that could any one of which could easily be used for uh, promotion purposes.
2: I love things that are uh that that, that follow semantics, so the photo will match the quality of what they're getting.
1: <clears throat> uh what else you want to talk about? I've I've got more stuff here to talk about, but i feel like i've just sort of uh strong-armed the show to a degree we didn't really talk about what you wanted to talk about
2: well we no, we have talked about what my, so my, sorry, my name is well you know I, I i try to deal with it and I, I internalize it but then i remember that you'll give me gatorade in the fire so i can deal with just about anything
1: your kids will not be thirsty uh as, and my son will love you as their uh as their dirty, ash-covered faces stand in the street watching the homes slowly smolder and uh, you place your arms around them, you'll also be able to hand them a sip of orange-flavored Gatorade.
2: But we'll have to share it because you're just sending one, right?
1: <laughs> I'm I'm sending the 20-ounce variety, so you okay. may want to... I'll send some Dixie cups along with it just to make <laughs> sure do. that the uh, portioning is easy to accomplish.
2: <laughs> yeah. Um. So my my big thing is it was phones which we've talked about tonight cuz I I'm I'm ready to to pull the trigger on this. I I just needed to get that final confirmation that is it going to be the the Nexus 5 and we've had so many callers come in to tell me about uh, how great they they love their Windows phones that I I'm sold.
1: Yeah, I really as I leave here tonight, I'm going to be headed to Walmart and I'm going to breach my Verizon contract and get a Windows phone on AT&T. I'm so enthused. <laughs> I know. I just can't believe it. I can't wait. Whatever I have to do to get over there, bicycle, scooter, rickshaw, I will make I my way there. I public bus, but... Uh, it's kind of funny looking at this story. This is from CNET. Fiber optic cables could be the key to NSA snooping. And before I even read this, I knew exactly what they were referring to. They're referring to uh, the process by which the NSA is able to get data from Google or any mm-hmm. other... Uh, Mainstream web service, whether that service allows them access to their infrastructure or not, and the way they're doing it is they're going upstream. <laughs> what is this picture you sent me? <laughs> that's from Jasmunda. Uh, he, he,
2: he comes through anytime you need it. That is the photo for our show.
1: This is—is
2: is this our audience? <laughs> no, that thats that's everything. That's an all-encompassing photo. This- thats the listeners, and that's the people talking. Oh my! And it fits the Minivan Highway my goodness well uh,
1: (laughs) that's thanksgiving
2: at my house i'm going to
1: i think what is this is this just like some random because is this something i can use is this something i I can use as the photographic art for the show when we post it
2: (laughs) i don't know if i think that should be our official
1: uh logo (laughs) they're all just looking at the camera with welcome to the spec sheet in their minds (laughs) you're about to learn something about (laughs) tech this is what we all talk about when the when the power goes out at night. That's
2: right. We well, talk. Desmond said it's just random nerds. He doesn't understand that's actually me. Someone really took a photo of me and put it out on Flickr.
1: That guy on the right really seems to have some eyebrows. And that guy <laughs> on the left, I knew someone in high school who looked exactly like him. He's now in prison for murder. How about that? How about that? Well,
2: in the guy sitting from uh, second from the right, he's a uh, average Bell Gav user. <laughs>
1: You know what? I can't allow you to say that because you're besmirching the character of the people who have brought me so much AdSense revenue. I hey, just, uh, not
2: not only am I a member, but I'm also a lurker. Both of my personalities enjoy that website.
1: So I'm kind of chuckling as I read the headline to this story about the NSA snooping, and the reason is because I heard Steve Gibson, uh, who hosts a podcast called Security Now. I heard him months ago, before we knew really anything about Prism, which is mm-hmm. the NSA snooping program. He theorized that what they were doing was essentially what they are are doing in a building in San Francisco, where, uh, in the I think it's the AT and T building or the Bell something I don't know some. mainstream phone company, I think it's AT&T, in San Francisco. They've got this main hub where all of the communications from uh, across the Pacific enter the United States uh, through this fiber optic system right there in this building in San Francisco. And so what they did was they constructed a separate room downstairs from where all of this is happening. And the fiber optic cable comes into the building, and it does go into the room upstairs where it should go. But they've got this secret room, immediately one floor below, where the the fiber optic cable is split off, and it's fed down. So the NSA has that running through all of their equipment downstairs, and they have an exact one-to-one copy of all of the data, that is flowing through into that building uh, completely and entirely unfettered access to all of that data every phone call that's coming across uh, on the west coast uh, coming into the west coast from across the pacific uh, i'm sure a lot of domestic communication probably is being heard as a result of this too because the routing of phone calls is so complex these days people are using things like google voice and Whatnot. It's hard to be able to say we're only listening to international phone right. calls. You can't really say that anymore because the routing is just so complex. Any call
2: could be, yeah. Any call could touch
1: some right uh, international route. So, so Steve Gibson theorized that based on the name Prism, the splitting of light being what a prism does, that what the NSA was doing was okay. Rather than going to Google and saying, give us access to your infrastructure. All they have to do is go upstream uh, from Google to the various uh, upper-tier service providers who provide the bandwidth that Google actually uses in order to have access to the Internet for their range of services. They go upstream, and that's where they split the fiber and are able to see all of the data that's flowing to Google and from Google.
2: Yeah, and I don't I don't know if it's necessarily the, the fiber that they're doing that with. I think it's just the bits. They're, they're getting the full stream of all the bits of data that are coming through and, and just collecting it. The problem is where you store that. Uh, the government's working on building a huge data facility uh, out west to store a bunch <laughs> of data. But still, when you think about how many... Uh,
1: Isn't it in Utah?
2: I think it is in Utah. I'm why, not, I'm not 100% is, sure. But.
1: Why is creepy stuff like this? It seems like anything that's sort of creepy and, and, and just questionable on a sort of Orwellian level gets set up in in Utah. Utah.
2: What is that? That's a a question that they don't want to answer because they like the business. Uh, Well, there's also, I forget who it is, but there's a major corporation, whether it's Google or at some online service that's building a facility across the street from it. I thought that was funny. So, but but, but the point is that uh, going back to many years ago, the, the government required as part of the, uh, I'm trying to think of the name of the other program that they had besides PRISM, but they, it, they basically uh, carnivore? just carnivore carnivore. Yeah. They carnivora, they, they, they uh, connect it to the, basically the front end of the pipe of the ISP. And that way the ISP has no control over what the government is and isn't grabbing. They just get it all. The, the, the thing that's always confused me though, is that's something you can't like real time. What's that going to do for you? You're not going to be able to figure out a terrorist or a, copyright infringement that's happening real time, unless you have some predefined filters inside it. Like if you know this file or this IP address are known to be some type of threat, that real time data is going to do nothing for you. It, really all it is, is to go back after the fact and query a database. That's what it and is. See the connections. Yeah, well, yeah. That's, that's what, that's the what it is.
1: It's, it's pre-crime. Exactly. So that in the yeah. future, when you do get accused of a crime, we can go back and we can assemble this portfolio of data and massage it in whatever way needs to be, uh, uh, pursued. And you become suddenly a very guilty looking guy. Right. I mean, you, you really could do that. I mean, if you just had some sort of a repository of every bit of data that a particular human being has sent or received over the internet, over the course of the last five years, you could be the most law abiding citizen ever to have existed But if that data is put together in a certain way, if it's massaged in a certain way, if it's called and arranged Mm -hmm. properly, you could uh, create a circumstantial case of any kind Mm -hmm. of of your choosing against someone. I mean, think about it. We're talking about personal communications. We're talking about emails, search queries, pop-ups. I mean, even if a pop-up comes up on your computer, that's, that's still sure, an IP head. That's that's you have just sent a request for packets of data to a server.
2: Well, uh, I, I always think of uh, Casey Anthony, the the lady from Florida, who ended up not going to jail for the whole uh, daughter. That was Casey uh, and Kaylee Anthony, I think, was the the daughter. Right. But in court, one of the things they used were Google searches on a, and this kind of brings back to our conversation earlier about Windows XP. Uh, she lived with her parents. Uh, she was in her 20s, I believe, had a, a young daughter who died, who knows how. But uh, regardless, they they had a PC that everyone was using, probably the same login for it, and doing Google searches for things like chloroform and uh, other potential uh, damaging searches in Google. And that was used in court against her. That was part of the evidence saying that she killed her daughter. Right was was saying that she did these google searches so this this isn't some idea that comes out of left field it's already used today in court
1: how can they know she wasn't watching law and order or something and she yeah. saw something in the plot and said oh what's up with this i want to look that up he, yeah, I yeah. Mean, just the randomness of things that pop into my head through the course of a day that i decide to go look up i went and looked at my search history a couple of days ago And I didn't even remember searching for some of that stuff. And I had to actually think about it. And I realized, oh, yeah, I did. And there's why. Well, another thing is that
2: uh, a a Google search is really just a set of query strings that that are passed over to the Google servers. So there's no reason if you wanted to uh, put something damaging on on someone else's computer, send them an email through. You, You have to somehow find a way to anonymize the message going to a person. But send them a link that says Facebook photos and in that, embed the hyperlink with a query string for a search that's totally opposite of a, a, a Facebook photo album, and that person just did a, a Google search for some whatever crazy thing you wanted to tell them to do right and then I you mean, just created evidence.
1: Right you can I mean, a, a Google search is entirely URL- based. right. I mean, is that not the truth? I mean, when you type something into the search box, I think what's actually happening is uh, the the web page is parsing that into a URL. That's right. Yeah. So
2: yeah, that's one th- one of the things that Google has perfected on the internet and finding a fast way to to serve that information. Uh, it's just a rock solid way to to do it, and it's easy to. Or it's not not necessarily to fake, but once you know the the pattern to it, you can you, you could form your own URL that gives you the search results you want.
1: I love it when Curtis tells me I'm right on something. It just makes me feel <laughs> validated and, and, and what worthy. What we need
2: is, a. I, I want to have a soundboard now, <laughs> and I would love to have Art's ding on a, whenever he would do a prediction show. If we can have that sound of him doing ding, and we can play it whenever somebody gets it
1: right. I'm against that, and we won't do it. I'm we'll Lindy, never have David. a soundboard. I, I,
2: I'll tell you now, that the day you want me to no longer be a part of the show is when you add in you know, the morning zoo
1: type stuff. You say that in future tense. I don't know why.
2: Well, it's just, throwing it's like an ultimatum. Don't do it.
1: No, I'm just saying, how do you know? I don't already feel that way. I didn't want to have to explain the joke, but there it is. Oh. <laughs> All right. I am the joke. Moving on. So that's why I'm, I'm kind of laughing when I see this headline, because I heard Steve Gibson theorizing yeah. months ago with regard to what he thinks they're actually doing, and, and that is it. I mean, if you think about it, you send a you press enter on your keyboard as you decide to access google.com let's say and unless there's a peering arrangement between your internet service provider and google um, well uh, that's a good question if there's a peering arrangement these packets of data well they still have to go through the providers that google uses for their Mm -hmm. bandwidth and so i guess the nsa would have access to that too but if there's if all they have to
2: do is have As long as they have a route out there to grab traffic, I mean, if your data goes through their route to get to the end server, which I would think the government has the expertise to get themselves involved in every route possible or anyone they want to, then they grab your data easily.
1: I was going to say if they have a peering agreement between Google and your internet service provider then the Google you the, the Google the data you transfer between yourself and Google is probably a pretty direct route mm. but if there is no peering agreement between your internet service provider and Google then when you send a packet of data to Google it takes a long trip and it bounces from router to router all over the internet until it slowly well, not slowly, it's all happening very quickly, but you get the point. It makes its way to this point where everything sort of starts to funnel in. I mean, Mm -hmm. if you know where that packet of data is going, you can generally predict where on the Internet, what routers it's going to eventually make its way to. And the closer you get to the final router before you enter Google's infrastructure, the more Google-focused data you're going to have access to. And so that's what Prism is. It's it's getting yourselves between the NSA, getting themselves between Google and Google's users, but not within Google's infrastructure. Right. But what? How are they getting access to the infrastructure of uh, these upper tier companies that are providing the bandwidth? I mean, they're privately well, run companies. I mean, don't they,
2: ISPs are required to have a device. Yeah, but these on aren't ISPs, are they? Well, well, I'm. That makes it simple. I mean, if if you already have every ISP, which means every hop that traffic is going to go through potentially, already has to be funneling data off to a log system yeah, but that the government not has the access same, to.
1: that's not the same premise as Prism, though, because no. you're getting everything that someone's doing, whereas Prism yeah, well, the other thing, says if the closer we get to this router or that router, statistically, the more Google-specific the data we'll have access to.
2: Right. Well, it isn't one of the rumors that... They actually hooked into Google's data center directly. They didn't just go, you know, under know. it. They, they had a direct pipe that Google, you know, officially Google was Google was unaware of, but internally they had connection. I mean, you have to think about with all the espionage that goes on overseas. I'm sure we're doing the same espionage inside our own uh, <laughs> inside our own country because these countries work with government entities all over the world. It only makes sense. And and the other thing, too, uh, to kind of play on the No Agenda podcast, what they say, that the whole purpose of all this uh, spying, really, the the ultimate purpose isn't to catch terrorists and to catch people for blackmail purposes. It's for industrial espionage to keep the U.S. ahead of our competitors when it comes to technology, resources. Uh, So it's a great way to be connected to every single uh, system out there if somebody finds an oil well somewhere, you know, coal mines, we know already. Hmm. We're, we're tracking their data.
1: So Curtis, what you're saying is all the government spying is helpful to me. It is, it helps your stock prices be higher. I'm happy because the government's protecting me and they're taking they're taking care of me. They're looking out for you, Numeral Umo. What, what is this that we're living in right now? It's a
2: it will, Going back to, you, to to the premise of bringing uh, somebody back from the 80s and tell them that everything, every question they ask or, or thing they look up in an encyclopedia is going to be tracked. I mean, they've always had that in a library system. Of course, they're tracking every book that gets checked out in a log, and if they wanted to, they could go back and see what you're doing. Uh, but, but let's say that every time you pick a book up off the shelf at the library, look at it, read something on it, take that information, uh, consume it, then put the book back on the shelf. Technically, that's not been tracked anywhere. Then you walk out of it, tell them that now that's going to be tracked, all of it. Uh, And they'd be like, no way, that's not going to be possible. But fast forward 20 years, and yes, it is possible.
1: I think they would be equally blown away by just the sheer amount of data that is accessible uh, for free on the internet. I mean, just Mm -hmm. the the sheer amount of The sum total, I guess, of human knowledge existing in the form of Wikipedia. Just that's out there. That would... I mean, we take that so totally for granted, just the amount of information we have access to. For free. It's entirely (laughs) ubiquitous. For free. I remember being a kid and watching these two suits come to our house and try to sell Encyclopedia Britannicas to my mom and dad. And me sitting there just stupidly hoping that they would buy them why i don't know i just like to see my parents spend money that's all (laughs) well i
2: remember the first time i got how uh, worthless how worthless would those be right now you know it oh yeah yeah they're relics now of a a time gone but i I remember first time i got the uh, microsoft encarta discs and you're like hey i've got an entire cyclopedia right here on cd and then you would so
1: 1996
2: yeah exactly uh, but you would type in your in, in the search box, and it would take forever for it to come up, and it would tell you to put the other disk in, and it was great.
1: Well, those it days are long future. gone. I, it wasn't long ago that they actually killed Encarta. I know. I remember it being on the news maybe within the last five years or so. I'm really shocked that that continued as long as it did. A lot of technologies like that from the 90s continued on way longer than they should have. Web TV was only killed a couple years ago. Yeah. Isn't that something? And now here I we have... have- it's funny Microsoft ever even considered that when they had the Xbox, which did a really capable job. Well, actually, no. At the Xbox only got a browser within the last yeah, year and it, a half or so.
2: Right, and, and what drives me crazy is you have to have Xbox Live. So
1: that really is a pile of crap, isn't it? it that is. you have to pay to use a web browser. It's very Windows Phone like. I complained about this on the last show. I'm not yeah. even going to do it anymore because I'm sure people are sick of it at this point. But I, and <laughs> we that, never that's get why I want the Xbox to fail because I hate the way Microsoft is charging me for things that otherwise are free. More that you paid for already. Bullcrap, man. Yep. very Microsoft-like. <sighs> I'm depressed. Anyway, this is the I'm spec I'm glad we sheet. always end on a good note. Yep, we do. This is the spec sheet. Thank you to everybody who listened to the show tonight. Thanks to everyone in the chat room, and thank you to ArtBell.com for carrying the show. We're here every Tuesday night, 8 Eastern, 7 Central, 6 Mountain, 5 Pacific. For you and your entertainment alone. Everybody, have a good week. We'll catch you later and enjoy the rest of the podcasts on ArtBell.com. We'll see you. Shine
0: like a star in the sky. This is the spec sheet.